You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. They walk off. There's a whole fight now in the dressing room. I'm outside. There's a fight going on. And Chris and uh, uh, the drama Matt. Matt Cameron. Cameron. Matt was never part of all the lunacy, right? They walk out and they do my wave with an acoustic guitar and drums. And that was the ignominious, sad end of Soundgarden. It ended that night. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of 2020. I'm Siobhan Cronin here, as always, with my cohorts, compatriots, co-hosts, friends, fellow Lost Symphony bandmates, Benny Goodman and Corey Peza. How's it going? Cheers. Going Cheers. Great. And I'm so I'm, I'm, I'm out of wine. That was kind of pathetic. <laughs> yeah. um, wine is fine, but whiskey's quicker. <laughs> oh, gosh. This week, though, part two with Steve Wood, senior manager at Shelter Music Group. But I feel like he has so many other titles beyond that. And you definitely have to listen to part one. Like that and sounds subscribe. so corporate and boring. Let's call it as it is. Steve Wood is literally who you wish you were if you're a dude in any time period ever. Well, I'm and a little more tactful and met? nice to our listeners than you are. So sorry about that. No, I'm just saying he's the coolest. So you see those like Dos Equis ads or whatever? I don't even Dos know what Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the most interesting man in the world. This is legitimately the most interesting man in the world. So Absolutely. many stories. Yeah. So let's just dive right in. Steve Wood, part two. No water. Okay. <laughs> 2020. 2020-D.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of 2020. My name is Corey Peza. I'm here as always with my cohorts in crime, Siobhan Cronin. Hey, everyone. And Benny Goodman. Hello there, Corey. You, that, that deep thought before you say something, I never know yeah. what to expect. But I, yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always appreciative when it's very subtle and not It's a grab bag. It offensive. depends on the day. It may yeah. not last. Right. And, <laughs> and that voice you hear, that handsome guy in the corner you see, that is Thank our guest much. this week who is joining us for a second, a part two here. Uh, Mr. Steve Wood, who in the previous episode, if you have not heard it, Get go to 2020 2020-d.com. Check it out. We get the like ultimate guide to living rock and roll. That's the best way I can put it. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It was like the rock and roll <laughs> safari listening to him talk. Like <laughs> This is where you see story. David Bowie doing blow in the bathroom. This is where Freddie Mercury is talking to Elton John about how he's going to leave the band. No, it's such an incredible journey you've had and so well told. So for I mean, anyone that hasn't that listened, go listen to it. I'm Thank excited you, to hear dude. more. There's lots more, actually. And, and, and a lot of it is just, uh, um, it's like the Energizer Bunny. I just, it starts and I just go. I mean, uh, uh, so great. Ask away. I'm all ears. So it, w it was great kind of hearing how you got into this world in the previous episode. Yeah. And I, I think we're all curious, just, just what exactly you do for do these do? artists that you that you work with okay. um kind of give us give us an overall outlook of like like your you know day-to-day -day and what you've done over the past you know couple decades with these people these yeah what does it look artists. like now so we know that the 80s and the 70s was a giant blur of cocaine and carrying people <laughs> and making sure that steven tyler didn't fall it over was. like we get that and is it still that is it still making sure steven tyler no. doesn't fall over or is it no. joey kramer this time no it's um it's macrobiotic food <laughs> alcoholics anonymous uh, uh, nannies, um, early nights. <laughs> it's really so a lot of fun. In other uh, words, <laughs> yeah, all that stuff's gone now. I mean, 
Um, but if to ask what I do, <clears throat> I'm a logistics guy, uh, a tactician, if you will. Um, and I don't know how any of the things that I do work, but I know people that do. And <clears throat> I'm a fixer. I'm, I'm, I make it happen. And I need other people. And so I make a point of surrounding myself so at a moment's notice, if you need a helicopter to get you to a boat, to an apartment in the uh, Mediterranean, for example, I can do it in quite a few minutes. Kind of, this sounds like I something know. that's happened before. No, <laughs> yes. oh, yeah. So, Steve, <laughs> someone asked, me, someone asked me one time. We have to what, hear that story. We were talking about what, what you're like because Siobhan and Corey had not met you like I've met you in person and, and sure, had the, the, sure. the lovely experiences that I have had with you. Being um, so when I, a Megadeth concert. So yeah. when I explained to them what you're like, and I have to tell you, I think I'm right on the money. Have you seen the movie Wayne's World 2? Of course. Okay, so there is a roadie guy, and I don't mean now. I mean like like where your stock came from. That if everyone watches that movie, he's basically yeah. out of his mind. He talks about how he had to club someone to death with their own shoe to get Ozzy <laughs> to go on stage because he wouldn't <laughs> eat the green M and M's, and then throws things at Chris Farley, and, you know, to make sure that if they they're ever on stage, that they can you yeah. know dodge things that could could kill them. And I feel like that you are the guy that goes in front of everyone and goes, listen. I'm going to fucking shoot you if you don't make this goddamn show happen. And we did that with Ozzy in 78 and Sabbath, they ruled. So let's do this now. Like, that's wow. you, man. Like, you hang up upside down. You got blood transfusions with your boy, Keith. Like, I, I okay. know it. Here, here, here we go. I mean, um, <laughs> if I think of moments like that, with the, the, uh, what you're talking about, Soundgarden comes to mind. Okay. I was there to a manager at their heyday, right up to the day they it went wrong. I was there. It was in Honolulu. And I have to tell you this story because it doesn't sound possible, but it is. They were the most dysfunctional individuals I have ever worked with. And that's pretty difficult when you've worked with Megadeth. <laughs> I knew early on there was going to be problems here because the manager of Soundgarden was the wife of Chris Cornell. Already a recipe for disaster. Yeah. <laughs> they were disintegrating their marriage. Mm. The other three were getting on him, saying, Yeah, it's all because your wife is doing whatever. So <clears throat> As I arrived, they come up with this wonderful idea that she said, all right, fuck it, I'm not doing anything. The band said, well, we're not. And so everyone looked at me and said, well, you're in, you take the wheel. I go, what? I just, just showed up here. What? <laughs> I'm a tour manager. So anyway, it was a world tour. I had to take control. And we were touring with Metallica. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right? And we were doing this Lollapalooza tour at the time. Ben Shepard. This is my ah. Metallica Soundgarden pass from the exact tour ah. that you're talking about. Just so yeah, you know. yeah. That was me. Uh, ben, and he, he'll admit this, he was mentally unwell at this time. and But it was untreated. And so... <clears throat> We're on tour with Metallica, and Ben, if you liked Black Hole Sun, he would hate you for it, oh. and he would spit at you, and he would go out of his way to be um, a problem. He'd start kicking Metallica's lights and just being a general nuisance. And their security guys, a friend of mine called Tom Rowe on Lollapalooza, came up to me and said, Steve, if that guy does this once more, I don't care if you're on stage, he's going down. <laughs> like They're talking about beating him up on Jesus. stage. Um, and so I had to spend so much time trying to keep him like pacified, the bass player, 
because he was not well. He was not well. And it was a nonstop job. And the next leg of the tour started in Europe. And I fly in the day before, and I'm at Heathrow, and they're flying from Seattle in first class. They only stayed in Four Seasons and um, Ritz Carlton's and everything. The plane lie arrived, and 20 minutes later, Ben Shepard is walking through immigration towards me. He has a white T-shirt, black leather-type jeans, work boots with a bunch of duct tape around the foot part of it to keep the sole on, okay? You, you can see the picture? Yeah. And a little wash bag, like, like this. Now, they all had assistants in those days. And I go, hey, Ben, so I guess your assistant Scott's bringing your luggage. He goes, luggage? What the fuck are you talking about? This is it. I, it, it? We're going to Europe. It's winter. He goes, no, nah, it's fine. He said, listen, I've got underwear socks on the rider. So <laughs> This um, sounds like the singer of my I'll band. Just, <laughs> I'll, I'll just, um, they got like soap and shit and, uh, yeah. oh, okay. All right. So now we start this tour, right? And he kind of felt awkward to living in this luxury style, which we live. So he would hang out with the support band who was staying in the motel flea pit or whatever it was, <laughs> and he'd crash on their floor with these guys. We still have the Ritz-Carlton suite or whatever, you know, pay for it, of course. I mean, and, and he would- It bends on the that. futon at the, the one stage below Holiday Inn that Ernie Bach yeah, yeah, was yeah, new, yeah, yeah. like right. the, the, the yeah. Garden Inn or whatever yeah, the fuck yeah. it is. Yeah, and so that sort of thing would, would go on. Um, uh, and we're in, in North Carolina or South Carolina, and um, the guitar player, Kim Thiel, was of Indian descent, as you know. And he had a persecution complex that he was convinced that everybody was out to get him. So he's a paranoid right. schizophrenic? Correct. Is he actually a paranoid schizophrenic? He was, and he liked drinking. And yeah. we were at this hotel in the South, and there was a wedding. And it was a very white wedding. And... They are obviously Soundgarden and a rock band. And we are going to the elevator, Kim and I, and these very drunk bridesmaids come up to him and go, oh, we want a picture. We want a picture. And he said, well, I don't want you to take my picture. And they're all drunk. And they took the picture. And he gently slapped her across the face. Now, we're in the South. He, he's basically Indian, as you can imagine, where this is going. And she went and told Daddy. There is now a lynch mob being prepared in this hotel to find not, not, him. Not, not with the guy from Dawkins, right? Not George Lynch? You're, no, you're talking George about an Lynch. actual lynch mob, no. like the good yeah. old-fashioned American kind? Nothing to do with... George Lynch. Okay. And they are looking to find him and teach him a lesson. I mean, this is getting pretty heavy. Was right Ted now. Nugent leading all of them? He should have been, and he wasn't. Uh, now they can't find him. They call the police. The police show up. Kim is now terrified of what's going on here because if they had found him, I mean, it was a. a kind of a darker guy hitting a virgin white woman. I mean, it was a problem. So he was hiding in my room. Um, the police negotiated with me. I was like a, a, like, it was like a hostage situation, you know, and I was like negotiating. This is where the neuro-linguistic programming comes Correct. in. Correct. And I said, look, let me go and do my thing. And anyway, I got Kim to surrender. He was hiding in my closet in my room. 
So we had to go down to the police cell. They handcuffed him. They walked him out. I mean, the they the whole wedding party was jeering at him, calling him like racial names. Jesus, you know, oh which the, which the police didn't seem to worry about. And I spent the whole night sitting. Well, you do there. have a dude that just hit a chick, so like, I mean, like I can understand them not giving a yeah. flying fuck because, like, but that's not appropriate behavior. Not at all. But it was gentle. It was wrong. No question. I spent the whole night on with lawyers because we were on stage the next day. And and right up until like the last second, I was able to get him out post bail, rush him to the stage and bang, they went on. I mean, now that sort of thing was not unrare. I mean, this sort of thing would happen in Hawaii. Okay, it was the end of the tour, and there was more to come, but it was like Hawaii. Well, everyone's having a great time. We had dolphins in our hotel in the pool, and you could swim with them. I mean, it was luxury on a level like, you know. So during the last but one song, it was called Slaves and Bulldozers. They're playing the song, and Ben Shepard's like, he's playing, and he goes, you know what? Fuck this. And he took his bass off and he went, whoa, he threw it up in the air and walked off. And he goes, boom, 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 boom. And Kim Thiel goes, well, if he's leaving, fuck it, I'm leaving. And now you got Chris Cornell's out front singing and all you got is... like what the f- what <laughs> so they walk off there's a whole fight now in the dressing room i'm outside there's a fight going on and chris and uh uh the drama matt, matt cameron cameron matt was never part of all the lunacy right they walk out and they do my wave with an acoustic guitar and drums and that was the ignominious, sad end of Soundgarden. It ended that night in Honolulu. Now, here's the kicker. The original thing was at the band hotel, band and crew, all going to get together. And so we get out of there because we did that Elvis is at the building thing when we leave. And Ben Shepard goes to the bar to wait for the crew. Now, let me tell you, everyone knew what just happened. There was no wonderful, let's all get together, have a great time. Everyone realized they were out of a job. The band just broke up. There was no after show party going down. Ben's sitting there by himself. He calls me, he goes, Steve, where the fuck is everybody? I go, Ben, listen, I mean, I don't think under the circumstances there's gonna be much of a get together tonight. He goes, really? Where are they? I said, well, they're in the Sheraton, Waikiki Beach. He said, um, I haven't got any money. Can you loan me some money? Loan? He's in the bag. I'm going to go over. I need a taxi. So I give him the money. He goes to the hotel. All the crew are in the Sheraton bar. And he walks in and says, hey, you guys are all a bunch of, and he used the C word. And then he told the cab driver to wait. And then he walked right out, got back in the taxi and went right across Hawaii to the other end to his hotel. True story. I mean, nuts. And that's the type of thing I would have to deal with. I mean, <laughs> is that oh if we learn nothing from Wayne's World One, is that Benjamin is no one's friend. Yeah, yes. It, it, but that's just one of many things like that. Can that I tell happen. you why we loved having Paul on the show? And I want you to understand this too. It's we had oh, David Abrazees uh, from Pearl Jam and a guy like you. People are too lazy to write memoirs. <laughs> this can be your memoir. You could come on anytime and we will sit <laughs> here and we will let you speak because I'm going to tell you my mom's going to call me this week and be like, did that really happen with Megadeth? Was that why you were crying? <laughs> you know, like she, she'll call me. She really, she really will. First off, she's totally horrified, but by, by everything I've said on the show, but it, it's amazing because you have a, a, a 
a memory and then it's uh, i find a lot of people in your situation have these insane memories where you're like it was a tuesday it was 64 degrees uh vince neal yeah i i don't think he had shaved that day he was pissed off because he didn't get the 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 the, the cigarettes he wanted they weren't at the store like you just know these details and you can and you can just i mean and paul's even crazier in the sense with his chronology because he's like it was six minutes and 14 seconds and 35 and that's when tyler took a breath and you're like whoa and he literally could when he did the show he like stopped us he's like wait a minute that didn't happen yet and like yeah. fixed his time thing <laughs> oh. so that the movie was proper i'm like dude this can be like pulp fiction you can start with bruce willis and end up with you know with uma thurman it's fine now this is so great though yeah. because people have this like concept of what managers or tour managers do and it's always so funny to hear what you actually spend most of your time doing which is handling these getting cocaine yeah handling these insane personalities yeah. and and yeah. you know well hold on. i wanted to say something and, from the last show, because I found a backstage pass from around the time that oh, you were yeah. with Motley Crue. Yeah, now, yeah, if you look yeah. at this, it's the third um, leg tour, and as everyone can yeah. see, people who can't yeah. see, it's a giant dick um, sticking out yeah. of the Motley Crue pants. But <laughs> did you see, like, you know, girls that had, like, their parents in the audience, like, wearing these? And, and, and did their parents not know what was about to happen with Tommy Lee? With his love I, gun, I I don't know, but it's reminded me. Uh, I was very friendly with the Def Leppard guys, and they actually during Pyromania had a pass. Yeah, the fluffs part on your stage where they could walk during the show. They had like thirty yeah. naked girls that would feed Way them let beer. Tell the story, yeah. Right? Yeah, I love <laughs> when Ben tells stories about things. It made me so excited. It now. says <laughs> I gave head to get this pass. I oh, swear I'm gonna to God. find that. I'm gonna find it. It's probably made by you, John. You Otto. probably will. I'm sure you'll have it by and, next week. And but you know, on the other side, I got got to work with some of my heroes, like uh, uh, like the Beatles. You see, I'm going to tell you a quick thing right now, which is crazy to me. I worked for a really great British musician called Dave Edmonds, amazing guitar player. I'm sure you know of him, Benny. Oh, I'm, I'm very well aware. Okay, I was his right-hand man. And Dave was neighbors with George Harrison. And Dave had a big gold Rolls Royce. And he said to me, hey, want to go for dinner with George? i like, <laughs> no, I'm busy. Uh, yeah. And so in the Rolls Royce, go to Friar Park, which is the album that's on All Things Must Pass, that we're sitting in the garden. This incredible, like, castle-type thing, right? Medieval. Uh, medieval. And it's a big, huge gate with metal across it, like a castle, and a knocker. And you knock on the door, and it opens, and there's a beetle looking at you. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like I'm dribbling, right? And so we go in, and we're having dinner, and George Harrison's going, uh, carrots, peas. I, I can't process this at all. Um, and then joints are being passed around. And he says, hey, Steve, do you play? I go, uh, yeah. Well, let's go up to the studio and have a play. Now, at that time, Carl Perkins just showed up. Right? Nobody. I was, yeah, Absolutely nobody. nobody. The guy sucks. I was, I was working on a Carl Perkins TV show, which had George Harrison, Eric Clapton, Ringo Starr, and I was running the whole thing. Right? So Who? anyway, he showed Right. No. So I met Roger Daltrey. Why wasn't he there? Why wasn't the Who there? He, he, listen, let me finish before I forget it. We go into the studio, full recording studio, on the wall. Every one of his Beatle guitars hanging right there. You've seen them. You've known them in all the years. There they are. And I'm just looking at this. And then he said, Oh, hold on a minute, Steve. I got something he might be interested in. Walks out, comes back, Sergeant Pepper suit on a hanger. I'm going, what? The? I mean, I'm going to wake up in my apartment because I'm dreaming yeah. right now. <laughs> I'm dreaming. So then he said, okay, um, pick a guitar and let's do something. And Carl Perkins, George Harrison, and myself did Honey Don't. From the second record. And I have the picture <laughs> on my wall out there because his wife, George Hansel, took the picture and then the next day wrote me a letter on Friar Park headed paper saying, Dear Steve, 
George and I would like to thank you so much for coming over. And George had such a great time because George Har uh, John Lennon had died. So he was pretty much a hermit during this period. And they thanked me for coming for dinner. Oh, my God. That's class. Still, wow. Would you say that yeah. it made you a honeydew? Uh, I absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, I'm blown. And, I'm blown away by that. Like I'm literally just in complete awe of that. You know, because it's always funny to hear. Because you know, everyone we talk to, it's like they have a different hero. It's you know, it's you know, you talk to a guy like Shannon Larkin, and he looks at someone like Aerosmith as a, the, the holiest. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Aerosmith is a holy band. But then you go and you talk to a, you know a guy in Aerosmith, they'll be like the Beatles. You know, and it's just amazing to hear these different levels. So hearing your story, like if he'd offered me carrots, if he'd offered me peas, if he had said, hey, man, come upstairs and play my Rickenbacker, this drum set, I would have gone out of my mind. I can't well, I even fathom. I, I got the picture, though. That's the really amazing thing. And, and like a little bit later, I was at Air Studios in London with George Martin. And Paul another McCartney. nobody. Yeah, he's. Can we explain that to people? Because again, do you know who George Martin is, Siobhan? And I'm not trying to pick on you. I just want to make yeah. sure we understand. I mean, I don't know a lot about him. No, he basically produced every one of the Beatles albums. That he's I the know, fifth Beatle. He's the fifth yeah. Beatle. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, so we're up at air with Paul McCartney was. and Linda McCartney was, and I, I, this joke happened, and I swear to God, this is the truth. It was told to me by Linda McCartney. So she's saying to everybody, oh, tea and biscuits for everybody. You know, she's playing like housewife. And I'm sitting there and said, yes, please, that'll be great. She goes, hey, guys, <laughs> this is the truth. She says, what do you call a dog with wings? I go, I don't know, Linda McCartney. Swear to God, she told me that joke. <laughs> If you can't laugh at yourself, yeah. <laughs> that just oh. made me love her so much more. Because Live and Let Die, what a song. But anyway, true story. Again, I'll never forget that, you know. <laughs> but, um, uh, and then, and, you know, there's more, there's more, there's lots. It's been a wonderful life so far, Benny, I got to tell you. What what's what's a day in the life look like for you now? Obviously, the last year is that or so. Is pun intended? Or is that just a natural thing? A day in the life? Good. Go ahead. Uh, so the uh, <laughs> the past year or so has obviously been a little yeah disruptive in in your industry. But you know prior prior to that, you know obviously a, a, a lot less cocaine for your artists and everything. But you're still a fixer, I assume. What kind of things oh, do you yeah. deal with? What are you I'll dealing with you. nowadays? Okay, Wh when it I mean, for Godsmack, for example, Godsmack is lots of trucks, lots of buses, but it's primarily meat and potatoes stuff. You know, and it's like most things, there's a pyramid uh, from the touring end. I'm at the top, if you like. And then there's levels all the way down. Now, I don't know how these guys do what they do, but I know guys that do that. And I coordinate the whole thing. So it runs. And so it, but that's Godsmack. It's very straightforward, meat and potatoes. <coughs> now, when you're dealing with the Hollywood vampires, that... <laughs> is a whole yeah. different ballgame. And it is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> How so? Why? Well, do you know I'll who explain. the Hollywood vampires are, Siobhan? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Okay. So I for our know. listeners so, that may not know, like my mom, it's it's Alice yeah. Cooper, Johnny Depp, and Joe Perry. So yeah. those guys well, are kind of the stars. Yeah, so star power. So you have three principles, and the three principles must <laughs> have no favoritism they all have to have exactly the same suites. Um, it's private jets, okay? And it's um, on a level of detail, unlike any other tour. For example, a six-week tour of Europe with Johnny Depp, we never went through the front door of one hotel. It's all Elvis. We uh, blacked out vans, the jets on the tarmac in a private airfield, off the jet, into the van. We even had a tour bus whose only job was to meet the jet, pick them up, drop them at the hotel, and drive to the next country. 
full-blown tour bus. That's its job, okay? <laughs> so when we get there, security in the street, security down below, out of the van, fans there all the time. We go through all the corridors, the kitchens, into the service elevators, up into the floor. The, the rooms have to be checked. I like to get there first to make sure everything's right, all the things, the amenities, the flowers, the candle, whatever they want. What's all... what's Johnny Depp's thing? Does he have, does he is he a V eight guy? Like what's he's a wine? Like wine. wine what, what kind simple. of wine does he drink? Is he a, is he like high a end. box wine guy? High end. <laughs> no, high end. Uh. Well, Ernie gave him three bottles as a gift, and I think they were maybe twenty plus thousand a bottle, and they drank two of them right in front of him. <laughs> oh, I, listen, Ernie loves. Oh I hate the God. taste of wine, and I can't tell you how many times he's given me wine. He's like, this is like, like what best wine of the factory, and I'm just like, I drank it's half dangerous. of it, and I feel like yeah. it's make, yeah, it's making my face flush, and I'm like, I should go antiquing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, prefer, I prefer root beer. You know? Anyway, so so then um, everything security outside the rooms, it all has to be coordinated and moving these people. Is it's not just hey be in the lobby. It, it's not the whole thing is is micromanaged. Has there ever very, been like a scary set? Because this to me, I mean, it sounds glamorous, but it also sounds very stressful. Like having to live uh, like that. Has there ever been like a a scary like security situation or something where yes. people have felt compromised because of these things? Yes, we uh, sometimes there's a bomb threat, which are all nothing, but. What you have to take them seriously, and then dogs have to come in, and and you you have to take them seriously. But um, no, it, it's not glamorous. Actually, it's hard work to to dot the i's and cross the t's. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, when it it happens, the lights go down and the roar. It's wonderful. I mean, it really is. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing for me, and 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 I, I'm sure you can identify with this. Touring and doing what I do is like you travel 300 miles to a place. And then when you get to the place, you dig a great big hole in this place. And then you stand around the hole till about midnight. And at midnight, <laughs> you fill the hole in so you can't tell there was ever a hole. And then you go into whatever your mode of transport is to another place and do it again. And the thing is, for a guy like me, I like that because I like to get rid of everything and start again. It's the same thing, but new Are there people, any dead bodies in those holes that we should be aware of? Steve? Occasionally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is the best description of touring I've ever heard, though, because it really, after many dates, it does feel like that. You're That's just like, like it is. starting over. It's like over if Charles Bukowski had, like, on touring. Yeah. yeah it, no, it, seriously, but, Steve, that's, like, the fun, that's one of the best things ever. I hope, Corey, please, take a note. You probably already did because he's smart. He did. That's yeah, the greatest quote ever. Literally, like, that's just such a metaphor that, like, first off, I don't get it because I don't tour and nobody cares yeah. about my music. And I don't dig. <laughs> So no, not, nothing do. about that relates to me, but I think as far as understanding what music is like and knowing from someone that looks through the glass at the at the cheetahs, someday um, we'll it, dig holes. Yeah, with Gen Pop, <laughs> like I'm in the Gen Pop. Um, but you know, I can see I lived through Siobhan, and I gotta tell you, man, that was literally eloquent and 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 so on so many levels, literally pun intended, on so many levels because uh, people don't realize. Like, imagine seeing a band like Bon Jovi. Okay, you run miles of cable, miles oh, yeah. of cable. Yeah. And back then they didn't have LED lights. They used park no. hands where people yeah, exploded and died and got electrocuted and it literally burned off the top of your fucking head. So a band like Queen they literally used more than a city worth of power for that fucking stupid yeah. light show they had in the 80s that moved back. The guy sitting up can, in the truss? Which I could, yeah, which I could do now going to Spencer Gifts with LEDs that are nice and temperate. So it's it's yeah. it's very interesting to hear how you talk about that because we live, and, I, and the only reason that I recap it the way that I do is because a lot of people that listen, they don't know. I mean, you're giving me a lot of credit on stuff and I appreciate you not 
telling me I don't know things that I shouldn't know, but like that I'm also like a nerd uh, about. But a lot of the people that listen, they're learning from you, and and they're gonna now listen and look up all these things. And I am so happy that you were able to explain it in a way where again you know and i'm gonna call out my mom she's gonna be like that was such a tangible and understandable metaphor and it was eloquent it was articulate and you can understand why he's overseas and why doesn't why don't people like that speak on television here you know and it's just it, and it's it's wonderful I'm glad you're my friend. Never, they never get credit. All, all these people that work behind the scenes, it's like an incredible We are the gatekeepers. Machine. We are the gatekeepers. And people like myself and who do, we basically control the traffic. And it's a very powerful position. But the strange thing is, at the end of the day, if the person doesn't want to do what you say, then it's well, hey, okay. It's you. It's up to you. It's like if you're the head of Hewlett Packard, you don't have a guy below you tells you what to do. You do as you're told. But in this job, it's kind of different. You know what I mean? You tell them, but if they don't like it, well, okay, that's yeah. your prerogative. But it's um, it to me, it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience, and I, I really do love it. I mean. There's been times I tour managed a band called um, Alter Bridge and Creed. You remember those guys? Yeah, sure, of yeah. course. Yeah, right. only like you know and, what thirty million <laughs> records or something sold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Miles um, Kennedy, Mark Tremonti, and yeah. Miles sings now for Slash. And I will go on record as saying that I think Miles Kennedy, who is also uh, ironically in the movie Rockstar, at the he guy at the indeed. end, um, is so is Michael Starr. Yeah, yep, and it's Zach Wilde <laughs> yes, playing. Like, yes. yeah. But the point is, uh, it's just amazing his voice. Like, you worked with Chris Cornell, so like, I got to ask you this, and it's not even well, like I'm saying we, one's better was, than the other. But what's it like to work with, this, life? with 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 guys? There was a story already happening yeah, before you interrupted. Yeah, he was about to it, talk ben. about Alter Bridge and Creed, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I was just saying, um, we were doing a tour of Europe, and um, in the summer. You know, there's all these festivals and the hardest thing is for agents is to connect the dots in between the money making festivals. It's yep. really difficult because every other band is doing the same thing. They're trying to, you know, to pay the bills. And so I, we had a show in Clermont Ferrat, which is a place in France. There must have been. 15 people <laughs> showed up for this concert. I, and this is the visual that I have. After the show, the drummer, you know, stood up and he threw his sticks into the audience, as he does. And I watched them go, donk, <laughs> donk, <laughs> donk. Didn't hit a damn person. I mean, I, just, I mean, really, I'll never forget that. And... Yeah. <laughs> Mark Tremonti had a brother who was on that tour and he said, yeah, but did you see that guy in the front? He really had a great time. Did you see him? It's all that matters, right? right. <laughs> anyway. I, I like the fact that you have no fear calling it as it is and that you're very transparent about it. So I'm going to get back to my idea that I had while interjecting you, uh, your idea rudely. You worked oh. with Chris Cornell. Yes. Who I, I will go on record as saying he, he's up there with a Freddie Mercury or a Ronnie James Dio. Yeah. You know, like he, he's, he's, in, he, he's in the same ballpark. Yeah. Now, Miles Kennedy's still living. So it's hard to say, you know, in the wholly legendary way, you know, as someone who's passed us, you know, where people immediately go, oh, well, they were so great. But as far as a guy that's alive, Miles Kennedy is literally one of the most insane vocalist Blackbird. I've ever seen and of course he goes and fills in for Axl Rose because you know during that whole Guns N' Roses hoopla and they did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame which I think is just a Rock and Roll Hall of Shame piece of shit total fake bullshit facade like Say stupid what you really mean. raping of the music <laughs> industry but Miles Kennedy saved the fucking day because he can sing like a motherfucker. And it doesn't matter if Axl Rose is there, if Miles Kennedy's on stage, or Todd Kearns, the bass player from Slash, who Brent also Fitch. sings like that. Uh, what's it like working with guys like that? What's well, it like? Okay. Do you sit and pinch yourself? 
Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you the story of how he got the gig with Led Zeppelin. All right. This is a good one. On tour in Europe with Alter Bridge, the phone rings. Jason Bonham looking for Miles. Hold on. Miles, Jason Bonham's on the phone. Oh, Jason says, we got this thing. Need you to come to London. We all knew what it was. Miles and I were like kids in a candy store. My job was to find the lyrics for all these Led Zeppelin songs. I was so excited. It wasn't even me doing it. It was for, we were getting Led Zeppelin songs. And Miles, I got his flight and I worked it all out for him. And he flew to London. He told me the whole story. He gets off the plane in London. And there's one of the assistants of Led Zeppelin there meets him. And he takes him to the studio in Chelsea. And he walks in, and there's the three of them. There's Jason, Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones. I, I, I don't know how he didn't shit himself, but, but he, <laughs> he, no. I mean, just think of the pressure. And, yeah. and he walks in, and they go, okay, uh, right, let's start. And the next thing that happens goes, dang, good times, bad times. And then it just started. They just started going through all the songs. I don't know how he pulled it off because I would have been petrified. I can tell you, he's one of the greatest performers of all time. Yes. And he sings yeah. better than any motherfucker. Yes. And in fact, I would argue that when all of this is over and that we're just a footnote <laughs> in the legacy of time, um, that he will be tantamount to Robert Plant. I think he's on that level. So as far as an all-around singer, musician, dude that plays with Slash and Mark Tremonti, that shows up everywhere, and the fact that he's humble, good looking and owns Very it much so. owns it but he's like super humble like to the point where it's disconcerting i think i met him backstage one time and i said something snarky like thinking I, he was gonna find it funny and he just like sh took the wind out of my sails by being so polite and gentle yep. that i was just like well yeah. then all right well have, have a nice night i'm glad thank you thank you for this wonderful experience and i'm gonna he's, go sit in my head in shame now he's never i've never seen him angry upset with anybody uh, he's the sweetest human being. His wife is wonderful. He lived in Spokane. And um, to him, it's his Can you give us and, his phone number? <laughs> We're going to call him. Corey, bleep <laughs> it out. Yeah. <laughs> I know you do. Uh, he, he, he's a wonderful guy. And the song Blackbird, which I'm sure you know, you know the song Blackbird, you guys? Uh, I yeah. sang it with Nuno when I was at Alter Bridge, okay. and it's one of the greatest moments of my life because I'm in love with Nuno Betancourt. So the fact that I got to oh. look at him in the eye and sing Blackbird as Miles is singing on stage, it was a moment that I'll never forget. He didn't really look me in the eyes. He kind of looked me in the slits. You know? Well, he might have been looking behind In the you. last verse <laughs> where he changes and he goes up an octave, sick. Yeah. Absolutely Sick. Yeah, it's basically like when Eddie Van Halen used to walk on stage and play Eruption, except with your oh, voice. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Um, I I did hundreds of shows with those guys, um, and when then Creed too, you know. I will tell you a funny story with Creed in Indonesia, which because you know there was a lot of talk about the Scott Stapp Mark Shamonti relationship, you know. Mm -hmm. but, oh, I do. So everywhere Scott Stapp goes, his wife and his like whole family would come with him. And we're in Jakarta now in Indonesia. And we're waiting to do a live press conference. And there must have been a hundred like press people there with TV cameras and a long table. And we're sitting in the green room waiting. And a little argument starts between Mark and Scott. And it escalates. It started about publishing, I believe. Mm -hmm. And they're both now chest out. They're both like right next to each other. Their wives going, come on, come on, you know, please, come on. And then you hear over the PA, would you please welcome Creed? <laughs> oh, my. And, uh, and, and wait, it gets better. So <laughs> you know, this thing's about to get physical, right? And then so they have to walk out and there's this long table with their names and they sit down and somebody in Indonesian speak to ask them to answer, you know, their question. And they had a translator guy puts his hand up. First question, Mark Chamonti. Okay. This question's about Alter Bridge. <laughs> like, oh, 
<laughs> it was a creed. Oh my God. I mean, it was it, right up. It couldn't have been worse. It was a great moment, though. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to guess this is when Creed got back together. Yes. After yes, the, the height of yes. their stadium like existence. Yes. Okay. So, so people can get some background because I remember this. Um, Creed, as everyone knows, with eyes wide open yeah, was literally sure. like the biggest. I mean, that's like they're more than words. Um, and in fact, I actually cringed a little bit when I a, a friend of a friend of a friend was backstage and asked Mark Tremonti why he didn't play that on stage anymore, uh, and would he play it now? And I saw like a little bit of like his life get sucked out of his eyes because it was one of those intermediary points where it wasn't a good time to talk about it. Um, but Creed was the biggest band in the world, like a Bon Jovi. Like they had their moment where like there was nothing. They were Michael Jackson. They were fucking huge. But oh, when yeah. they got back. It was like kind of like, you know, when Rome started burning for the music industry, like really yeah, like started I, I burning and, and all these day. legacy acts that were able just to come back with, ver you know, and everyone knew it would work. I think this was the first time I ever saw, like you said, the, you know, the drummer threw out his drumsticks to nobody. Well, you got to think about it. You're going from playing Bon Jovi size shows to literally throwing your drumsticks to nobody to going to a press conference to hear about your guitar player side band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it couldn't have been worse. I mean, <laughs> but um, that tour was ill-conceived. It was done purely for money, and the money wasn't there because all of the deals, and Irving Azoff was involved, automatically reduced before it began once the mm. ticket sales came in. Mm. And so it was an uphill slog for Paul and I. I mean, uh, Paul and I put it all together. What's it, it feel was, like when you're in that side, when you're on the side, because you're part of so many successes where it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're yeah. telling us about the Hollywood vampires. I mean, and I spoke mm. to, I just saw Paul. I love that guy. I, you know, it was his Jack, his son's birthday. So happy birthday, yeah. Jack. And for yeah. everyone listening too, we should mention that we interviewed Paul. So you should go. Yeah, no, to no, no, watch it. You, you got, yeah, you got to go watch, you, you got to go watch Paul. But Paul, he was Paul telling Geary. me that it takes a solid year just to get like a, a few months, if that, or a few even weeks of Alice Cooper, Johnny Depp, and Joe Perry. Because, you know, everyone wants Johnny Depp first off to do a movie because, I mean, literally, as far as they're concerned, he's just throwing away money by playing music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, like, yeah, even when you're yeah, making yeah. crazy money doing music, when you're someone as big as that, they're like, but you can make Pirates of the Caribbean 17. No, you can't. Disney hates you, but that's fine. Because he's Johnny Depp and he can do whatever he wants. He is a sweetheart man. He really is. Um... I, I've never seen him angry, and that's the truth. I've never, last time we saw each other, he gives you a hug and a kiss on the cheek. He, he is a sweet man, no question. Mm -hmm. And whatever they say, he told me, I will not have my life defined by the outcome of that court case, and good for him, and nor should he. Well, that's I, fantastic. I go to bat for him 24-7. Great guy. That's great, yeah. Um, I, I want to I want to pivot sure. a little bit on this uh, just because I feel like we have this unique opportunity to to dive into your mind and, and your experience. Sure. I'm wondering if you have any um, advice or experience because of your area of expertise, you know, I, and I, I caught this when you mentioned, you know, you, you probably have to book a lot of flights. It's part of part oh, of yeah. the gig, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are there things, you know, that that most people don't know that you might have insight into as far as booking things travel hotels um okay. like what 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 do, what do our listeners what can they learn from you as someone who okay. does has done that for decades right here's here's the most important thing it's about relationships no question and for me i like to work with the same people day in and day out it's not about can you do it ten dollars cheaper no it's about and please let's not forget you're dealing with the person on the other end. It's not the truck or the bus. It's the person. It's a human business. And I spend a lot of my time trying to create the relationship. And that's so important. And the most important thing is you have to go out of your way to keep that green because eventually the shit's going to hit the fan. And if you don't do that, they're not going to go the extra mile. And I'm talking about that with the road crew. 
always make yourself available, always listen, always try to help because when you need them to do like go 36 hours without sleeping, they're not going to do it for you if you're a dick. Right. And, and that's the truth. I think this is and something I, that our, our gen, not to interrupt you, but I think our generation has no. lost this a bit because so much is done. It's like an online marketplace. You do everything on the internet. You're not interacting with people. And I noticed this with my mom who runs a business. She's got a person for everything at every place that is a vendor of hers or a radio station or a TV station. She's got her person that they've got a long-term relationship with. And they're always, sure. like you said, constantly helping each other out. So it's, mm -hmm. it's really good advice because it's, I think a lot of that vital. is lost now. It's vital, actually. Um, and I, I always try to get to know who I'm working with and, and remember their birthdays or just, I mean, call them up when you don't want anything, you know, because uh, don't be that guy only call when you want something. Yeah, absolutely. I, I sometimes say, hey, I'm calling you. And you know what? I don't want anything. <laughs> I, I tell them that because yeah. it's funny. Yeah. But it, it's true. It's 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 really true to you know um, you know the expression treat people the way you like to be treated yourself. It's really important because running a band and touring it's a service industry. It's a service, and you you need other people to make you look good if you like. You need them, and if you don't treat them right, they won't work right. It, it's that simple, you know? So right. that's the, the, I mean, the advice I would give, give anybody that's trying to do this is if you do the right thing, by and large, the right thing will happen. What by about advice large. maybe for someone that's interested in doing the type of work that you do or getting involved? I know for you, a lot of it was serendipity and, you know, yeah. a different time. But um, if someone were interested in doing what you do, like, what does it look like now in this I, day and age to get I into it? I can tell you, it's how it looked then. Uh, there is no immediate answer. It, it, it's as weird as this may sound. It's a question of being in the right place at the right time. And I can't tell you this is the way mm -hmm. because I don't. People say to me often, hey, how did you get into this? And I go, I don't really know. <laughs> So you get off that subway stop or whatever. Well, well yeah, <laughs> but you can't tell them that. They think you're fucking <laughs> right. nuts. You know? I mean, uh, it, it's, it's just uh, certain things have to jive, and there's a crossroads, and you either go down one way or you go the other way. I mean, um, well, you certainly have a, a magnetism that's like very apparent that I feel like with a lot of the people we talk to, there's a, a charisma about them. Like you meet a guy like Paul Geary, who's your partner in crime. Yeah. And like he makes you feel like the only girl in the world, like within five seconds of being in the room. He could be in the room with like juggling 37 people, rock stars, isn't that. But somehow he's able to make you feel like you're the only girl in the, in the, in the world. Yeah. And that's something about, you know, again, what you guys do that's so important is being able to to handle a thousand people do this do that you don't even know how the fucking flux capacitor works but you got to get back to 1955 and save the fucking day like that's what you got to do and i love the way that you talk about it and i love and i love the dichotomy between someone like you and paul because paul and i go back you know two decades and i've he's he tells me things but he's again reserved in the sense that like if it were me i'd be like yo i was at george harrison's house <laughs> And like, let me just fucking tell you, you hundred percent would. No, I would. Yes. I would. I, dude, I'm not above it at all. And it's amazing that he can like withhold information. Like, I knew him for over a decade before he told me he was like went out with Moon Unit Zappa, and that like Frank Zappa like hung out with him for a moment, and that he was sitting with the girl from the Beverly Hillbillies, like you know, waiting for his <laughs> date. And I'm like, you omitted that one, like for years, and he still has things that I don't know. But you. You're, 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 I'm not going to say you have the hubris that I do because that would be insulting because you're British. You're way oh. above my culture level beyond that. That'd Please. be condescending and insulting. But you, your, your candor, I think is that, that's the word I would use. Your candor huh. is very illuminating and the transparency for which you speak. And I say that in a very nice way because it, it, it's easy to understand as a plebe. 
as someone in gen pop to understand the picture that you're painting versus saying, well, you know what happens in the eighties stays with the cocaine dealers, you know, like, like that's what we get a lot. And you're just like, no, man, that's, it's true. That's what happened. And and thank you. Something I, and now we using the word manipulation here. I learned very early on, for example, if I'm in America at an airport, If I say with my best English accent, excuse me, I wonder if you could help me. It's like, oh, yes. What can I do? Or, hey, lady, you want to go? That doesn't work so well. And and I've used that. I'm I'm honest in telling you that. I do use that because, like I said earlier, I need you to do something for me so I can get what I need done. Mm -hmm. And that needs people to do what I want. I mean, but not put so bluntly, you know? Well, you, reiterated, really we, you reiterated a very important point we learned with Richard Shaw of Cradle of Filth. And if you have not seen the episodes with Richard Shaw, is that he's first off such a lovely human being, but that everything that he says sounds even lovelier in an English accent. And we said that he's our, he's our British ambassador. Uh, but Steve, I would like to say that if you're, if you're willing to take on the moniker as well, that uh, we, we love people that speak with a British accent because you, you just immediately sound smarter yeah, you lend than everything. credibility to us. Right, It's, for it's sure. amazing. Oh, well, thank you. But uh, <laughs> please know that it isn't actually true. I mean, it's, a, it's a kind of a smokescreen. I mean, many people in America feel I'm related to, to the monarchy, but it, I'm not. But the English accent, luckily, goes a long way it really does it really does i thought you're about mm. to start speaking all southern like hey you know i'm just fucking with all you guys just right. kidding no. like, and by the way British. put your tray tables in the upright and locked position this is also a voice that sounds pleasant it's just a different one well you know or even on british airways when you hear the the um the, the staff the way they speak to you is is different it's it's just so polite and um the news watching the news on tv there's not two guys having a conversation about the news the guy says good evening this is the bbc and you go whatever he says i'm gonna believe it because that sounds right it's that's how i feel about bruce dickinson because i know he jousts and he flies his own plane so he comes on stage and he says scream for me boston i always scream (laughs) But there is a certain level of etiquette the way that British people talk. I know because my mom's British. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's it's just something about like maybe the way everyone is raised or the education system. But it definitely a different level of treating people for hundred percent, a hundred percent. I can't tell you how much fun this has been. I'm so glad you asked. It's been our treat, and and so before before we wrap up, um, you know we. We actually, we, I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but you were, um, you do work with Paul Geary, who yes. has been a previous guest, a friend of the show, and yeah. you guys have recently uh, merged, merged with, with, with Shelter Music Shelter Group. Music. Uh, I can send you the press release that was printed in Variety magazine. Benny, I'll send, I'll send it to all of you. Um, or you could just it, tell us about it right now, because I'm a guitar yeah, player. I, don't, I can't listeners. read. Do you oh, think they actually read? It, Literally, I told I told Alex Skolnick to send me his book okay. to sign to me. Made fun of Siobhan for reading it. And she's like, you're not going to read it. I'm like, I will. Haven't I'll read it. I'll send it as a comic for you. <laughs> Please <laughs> do. No, have, have, some, have one of Paul's friends. Like, have his sister Fran come to my house and read it for me to me. And uh, I'll be fine. Yeah. With pictures. Right? Yeah, with, with pictures. <laughs> yeah. And have her, like, lick her finger. She, like, turns the page, please. All right. So I will anyway. send it to you guys because it's all in there and it talks about Fleetwood Mac and ZZ Top and everything else that we're involved with now. But yeah, I'll do that right after this. But it's been a real pleasure. It really has. Fleetwood Mac and ZZ Top. You're working with Fleetwood Mac and ZZ <laughs> yeah. Top right now? Yeah. And uh, Crowded House. That's amazing. See, that's the thing that I love about you guys. It's just, it's just let's just drop legends. Yeah, and and just real quick, you know, we're wrapping up, but but you know, in today's climate, right now, you know, the world is weird. Um, yeah. How 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 are you dealing with that in your end of the industry? 
Well, um, I tell you, I'll try and be brief. Um, take your time. Honestly, take okay. your time. We can make this a longer okay. episode because this is genuinely well, the first time, other than maybe Polly Calafiore going on a giant rant about how energy is, you just got to do it and be a lion. I don't think I've ever felt so inspired by a guest, <laughs> like just immediately. Sometimes it has to sit in and I have to listen to it a few times before I realize the brilliance All right, well, of someone like Paul. All right, let him talk instead All of right, you. All right, just cut so. me off. Just yeah. turn off my mic. <laughs> and fix I love your mic the way back. you do that. By the way. <laughs> um, so look, um, Paul and I knew that uh, in November of um, 19, that was the last, is in Mexico City, and we knew that that's when Godsmack was finishing touring, and the next big run would be uh, in 2020, and it was uh, April on, and we knew that we would have to sort of financially float the boat until the next money came in, you know? And so we did what we had to do to pay for all the employees and because and, we knew it was coming. And at that time, Carl Stubnose, the chairman of Shelter, called us and said, guys, how would you like to come in on this big merger? So we had lunch and we said, well, we we got all this done and what, what's the point? I mean, thank you. We're, we're very grateful that you asked, but, you know, we're good. Thank you. Then COVID started to rear its ugly head. And we go, oh, oh wait a minute. That April where the, all the money's coming isn't coming now. And we're in for a big amount personally. And just as we're thinking, what are we going to do? What are we going to do here? The phone rang. It was Carl. And he goes, because when you put in what we have to the deal that they're putting together, it, it's a whole different complexion to the overall picture. And so he came back and asked us again. And this time we said <laughs> yes in about a <laughs> nanosecond. That way, that was lucky. I mean, wow. Yeah. How often and, does that um, happen? It doesn't. I mean, because we were looking at, you know, writing massive checks, which we had to do anyway, but there was a silver lining. And so, you know, we we were lucky. I mean, we were basically insulated against the, the hellishness that just happened. So it was just pure luck. So it's like we the Rolling Stones song, Give Me Shelter? Exactly like that. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, and what's on so what's on the horizon? What are you working on right okay, now? Okay, I can tell you. Um, we we had to um, move the vampires from twenty to twenty one. We were successful in doing that, except COVID had other ideas. We lost that. Godsmack um, has started. Everything starts next year in April for us. Godsmack's making a new record. We've already started booking the whole tour. I have a new track in January of 22. Album, you know, don't forget they came off four number ones of that last album. Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, they did forget. Shannon Larkin forgot <laughs> every single one of them in a row. He's like, oh, we had a number one. Wait a minute, uh, we had another number it's one. It's an idea. Yeah. See, with and this? then hold on, then we got <laughs> another, <laughs> wait, we had four yeah. number ones. Oh, wow, that's cool. I think that's the most we've ever had. <laughs> Drama. <laughs> Isn't that great to live in that world? It must be great. Um, and so um, that whole tour, we're booking everything with them. Uh, it's really, it's already started. The Vampires will start in January uh, of next year. Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Dubai, South Africa, and South America. So we're already going to have a blockbuster 22 uh, assuming there's no more COVID type disaster. So this is a giant light at the end of the tunnel is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, so bright. I can hardly say, I mean, it's like crazy. <laughs> Japan yelling, Johnny, Johnny. Well, yeah, they do. We played there uh, uh, two years ago on a private for Asai beer. It was insane. 
crazy. That's a, that brings up a good point. Like because you have people like Joe Perry or Alice Cooper yeah, or Johnny Depp. Yeah. Do you have like dignitaries from countries go like I need to meet them or my daughter oh, loves sure, Johnny sure. Depp. So like who have you can we can we find out like who have you met that's like absolute like you would never think you were do because we talked to Rodolfo Zuniga who's a friend yeah, of like uh, uh, of Siobhan and because he plays with Julio Iglesias who by the way like I think he might be tantamount to Johnny Depp as far as he's like kiss the ring motherfucker like that guy that guy's a spanish fucking marlon brando no but i'm saying they went to the goddamn kremlin and you're thinking to yourself who goes inside the no one goes inside the kremlin fucking julio goes inside the kremlin by the schoolyard we were in russia in moscow and uh they actually went to red square and to to the tomb of lenin and there's a lot of a lot of perks with a guy like that you is there a, a picture of, of Johnny next to, to Lennon going like, because those that don't know, he's like in formaldehyde. Like you literally can go <laughs> yeah. get like a picture yeah, taken with him. Yeah, you can stand him. next to him. Yeah, you can. Yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. sitting there like, is it real? I don't I'm think there's a lot of selfies being like, taken punked. though. Uh. Ashton Kutcher comes out. He's like, nah, we're kidding. Yeah, punked. No, you do. You meet a lot of sporting figures, politicians, mayors. I mean, they all want to be in on the action. They all do. And, um, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, it sounds it, like it. <laughs> yeah, it beats working for a living. Right. Tell you that. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, it yeah, it's, it, it does. And I'm eternally grateful and I'm blessed that I've been able to take something that I would have done for free and turned it into being able to provide for a family and, and all. Yeah, I, I, I remember being in the jacuzzi in 1980 at the Sunset Marquee <laughs> with some girl I can't remember, and I won't tell you what was happening, but it was, and, uh, and I was looking up, and I thought, all this and salary? Wow. <laughs> and that, my wow, friends, is rock and roll, <laughs> and that is Steve Wood. And Steve, thank you so much for joining us on 2020. Uh, when the world does open back up and the tours come around, I hope we can we can see you. Yeah, I hope we can meet uh, you. In Steve, person. can we? Oh, come, yeah. Will you come back yeah. and like enlighten us? Because I feel like on behalf of uh, you know Shelter, <laughs> you got you and Paul need to be like their uh, their spokespeople and come back. And we'd love to be your medium for which you can get these stories out because. Whatever fun you think you're having, the expedi- literally only one other time in hundreds of hours has Siobhan ever texted me during a show going, uh, this is a riot, I'm having so much fun. Literally doesn't happen because she's not face. She doesn't even understand what Gen Pop is. She only knows Gen Pop as Gen Pop. So for you to entertain us the way that you have and to enlighten us and to be so candid I, I i can't tell you how much i appreciate it because people they dance Absolutely. around it and you're just like nah man this is what happened i put on my gloves i put my hands in this fucking shit and here we are and david bowie that, made that, it. that british honesty it's yeah. just it's just there <laughs> uh, I, the other thing i in closing one thing i have learned by being british is the art of actually insulting somebody and they think it's a they are being complimented <laughs> until about 10 seconds later when you've left the room they go wait a minute <laughs> the guy just called me a dick <laughs> and with that you've been 2020 2020-d.com thank you so much Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-D.com and like and subscribe to the podcast. Check out the merchandise. Do all sorts of fun stuff like that. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 33 featuring Satchel of Steel Panther. Check it out. And, I, you know, from the beginning with Steel Panther, I always said, like, you know, the most important thing that we can do is stay together no matter what. That's what you know that's the only thing that matters we keep on playing together and we stay together and we don't break up because what we have is special and we have a chemistry and think about all the bands that had had something special and then they just fucking said fuck you and they, and they all broke up van halen was together for six or seven years Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain.
Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!